Welcome to Explore the Word. So glad you can be with us here today. Glad that you've had the opportunity to to tune in as such. In our episode today, we'll look at more evidences from archaeology uh, of the Bible and the truths contained in it. Uh, Things that have been found uh, in the deserts, in the the Middle East there, uh, in ancient caves, whatever the case. Um, So throughout the years, there have been many uh, skeptics who really criticized the idea that Israel went down into Egypt. Um, they, they just think that's not possible, that didn't happen. So just a little bit of background information. You know, during the Roman times, Egypt was the major breadbasket of the Mediterranean. Uh, it, it was very, very profitable, uh, did a very good job in, in gardening in the sense of uh, mass uh, food products and stuff. Um, so it was a it, it was a major part. If you had G- Egypt, you had food, and that's a big deal. Uh, Egypt was a refuge for people from Canaan during the times of famine, including Abraham, Genesis chapter twelve, verse number ten. And there was a famine in the land, and Abraham went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. The presence of uh, Semitic people traveling to Egypt at this time is well known as well. Um, Joseph was sold into slavery uh, to Egypt. Uh, eventually, his family found refuge in Egypt because of famine, uh, and they had food, and that's found in Genesis 47. So after the exodus, after they left Egypt, the Israelites longed for the food of Egypt. Numbers eleven forty-five, and the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting, and the children of Israel also wept again, saying, Who shall give us flesh to eat? We remember the fish at which we did eat in Egypt freely, the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. So, you know, obviously they had lots of food and good food. Uh, and during the monarchy, when uh, there was trouble uh, in Israel, uh, people would look to Egypt as a place of refuge. You can find that in Second Kings 25. And when even when wicked kings came against Israel and Judah, they warned, don't go to Egypt for aid. Don't you go there. And one king of Syria said, Lo, thou trustest in the staff of this broken reed on in Egypt. You know, so the idea, don't, he's not going to help you. The Pharaoh of Egypt is not going to He's not going to help you. Don't trust him. So there was a long history of that there with Israel and things. Actually, there's a fulfillment of prophecy concerning Joseph and Mary and young Jesus who escaped to Egypt from wicked Herod. So in Hosea chapter 11, verse 1, it says, When Israel was a child, then I loved him and called my son out of Egypt. And then we have the record of this taking place in Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared, appeareth to Joseph in a dream. Those who were departed were the wise men, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt. And be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod, that might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. And that is exactly word for word from Hosea chapter 11. In the early 19th century, a stone was discovered in Egypt. That's called Benihassan Merle. Um, it's dated 1890 BC, so it's pretty old. And on this mural, there's a scene 
depicting Semitic trader, traders coming into Egypt uh, and doing trade, obviously. What's pretty neat about this mural is that the merchants were wearing knee-length multicolored tunics. That's interesting because of the very great possibility that it's connected to Joseph because he wore, wore a coat of many colors and we know that he became a very important individual in Pharaoh and you know that his story was known by Egyptians. I mean, it would have been told. Now, to see this mural in person, you would have to wait because it's in Egypt uh, and uh, not, not much travel going on over there at the moment. But at any rate, it's interesting that this stone depicts that event taking place. The skeptics say, no, they didn't go down to Egypt. The, de- the mural depicts that there was definitely trading going on. And I, I do believe there was a connection there with the multicolor coats to Joseph. Uh, Egyptian records from the time, from multiple different sources, I, I couldn't find all the, the names of the texts and things, but they revealed biblical details as well, that they, you know, it's a correlation, yes, this did take place. So Joseph's price uh, in sell as a slave was 20 shekels, Genesis thirty-seven twenty-eight. Then there passed by Midianite merchantmen, and they drew and lifted up Joseph out of the pit, and sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver, and they brought Joseph into Egypt. It, that amount of 20 shekels is exactly the slave price in ancient texts that have been discovered in Egypt. That's pretty, that's pretty neat. You know, by the time of the Persian exile of Israel, which was five centuries later, which the critics say is when these stories were concocted about Israel... Okay, so but they're saying is that five centuries later they they start coming up with their own history, which is totally ludicrous. But that's what they say. The price for a slave at that time, we have again secular records on that, was ninety pieces of of shekels, ninety shekels. How in the world would a fifth century writer know the price of a slave? that much further down the line. So it's not, it didn't take place. It didn't get written five centuries later. It was written earlier. Uh, but again, it's just that proof positive that that 20 shekels of, uh, of uh, silver was the exact price that everybody else was paying in, in Egypt as well. So it's just a little interesting correlation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so names like Potiphar, uh, Asniath, and Potiphera, and uh, Zephah Piana. Uh, are mentioned in texts in 1800 BC time frame, and they're mentioned in Scripture. Um, Genesis 39, Joseph was brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, the officer of Pharaoh, he bought yeah, Joseph. Zenephanea, uh, he, she, sorry, that was Joseph's, um, oh, sorry, that was uh, Joseph's father-in-law. Um, you know, he, this is interesting information because it just correlates that, hey, this is the same time that Joseph was there. Secular texts prove it. We're not looking for secular texts to prove it. But, hey, it's just, again, another evidence that this is when it happened. Okay? And um, it's just amazing. Actually, I made a mistake. Zephathia was actually the name given to Joseph. It's an Egyptian name. His wife's name was Asenath. And uh, at any rate, 
that's just a little clarification. Just realized I said that wrong. Uh, until the times of Ramsey II in the 13th century BC, it was the common title, Pharaoh, was the common title given to any Pharaoh, but there was no name a- a- after that. It wasn't Ramsey Pharaoh. It wasn't Pharaoh Ramsey. It was just Pharaoh. So that's, that name stood all by itself. From Ramsey II onward, the name was mostly added. So, you know, so, you know Pharaoh Ramsey or Ramsey Pharaoh, whatever, you know, however they did it. But in Genesis and Exodus, there was no name outside of Pharaoh. It was just Pharaoh. And that's interesting because uh, in Scripture we see there's no mention of the name of Pharaoh when Israel was down there. It was just Pharaoh. Uh, actually, there was no name given to the monarchy in Egypt until after Judah and Israel were divided, Judah to the south and Israel to the north, which occurred after the Ramses rule in Egypt. So uh, again, a correlation Mm -hmm. taking place there. In Genesis 39, verse 4, And Joseph found grace in the sight, and he served and made him overseer in his house, and all that he had put in his hand. We see this phrase, overseer the house, that... Obviously, this is in English, but in the original text, that is the exact same phrase that's been used in other Egyptian texts at the same period, saying this is how we would describe this. So we see a characterization from that time period in the scriptures. This is what happened. Taskmasters, quotas, a straw for brick making, uh, in Exodus chapter 5, verses 6 to 8, they are all referenced. Um, I'll read you a few verses. And Pharaoh commanded the same day as taskmasters of people, and it should give the people, no people, straw to make brick. Um, th- th- these things are all mentioned in Egyptian texts as well from that time period. Uh, holidays for religious festivals, they were known to take place in that time period as well. Uh, foreigners working as slaves definitely took place in that time. I mean, Israel, that's what Israel was. It was a foreign people living in Egypt, and Egyptians made them be slaves. And uh, hard bondage, according to Exodus chapter 1. All these things are known to be found in texts of Egyptian, of Egyptian texts, I should say, of that time period. They have found them. Uh, The Lord used Joseph in amazing ways to protect uh, people and provide for many Many different people, but most importantly, his own family. Uh, his extended family would immigrate to Egypt from Canaan. They were given land in Goshen, and the Lord blessed them there. Jacob and Joseph would die in Egypt. Jacob was mummified and then buried in the land of promise. Uh, when Joseph passed away, he was placed in a coffin. Uh, he was at, he asked that after that he would be brought to Canaan land to be buried, and that did take place. But what's interesting here is that neither mummification or coffins were used in Canaan to hundreds and hundreds of years later. Again, proving that the children of Israel were indeed in Egypt. How could they mummify Jacob when that 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 technology or that way of doing things was not even in the land? So it was an Egyptian thing. So again, just again, evidences that prove once again, time again, 
uh, that God's word is true. And I hope it's been a help to you. I certainly have enjoyed doing these evidence podcasts uh, because it helps me to see, wow, this is amazing that, that these correlations. I believe the word of God. I've never doubted it, but these are just amazing uh, affirmations again that God's word is true. And uh, I, I've been learning lots. Of, I mean, obviously, I don't uh, put everything I've learned in a podcast on a podcast. So there's lots of other little details. It's an amazing uh, study, I have to say. In our next evidence episode, which will take place in November, we're going to look at some evidences of Israel in Egypt and then the coming out, the Exodus as well. Uh, so look at evidences that we have, or not us in particular, have found, but have been found by archaeologists and things of that nature. So it's pretty neat. I gotta say, it's pretty neat. And thank you so much for listening in. Uh, you know, keep exploring the word and keep looking to Jesus.